This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. Previously on Space Train, Doug and the cadets traveled to Liner X to save Fusik Kapoor, a gifted musician that played the slug pipes. While there, the cadets discovered that Dallas was a celebrity. Footage of his fight with the Fistbots was spreading across the galaxy, and he was quickly becoming a big star. Putting their minds together, the cadets were able to save Fusik from the studio that was holding her captive and escape the planet just before the Rocketman could arrive. And now for episode 5, Brobot. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Space Train. It's time to be the hero.
floated sideways through the train rec room car and kicked the soccer ball as hard as she could. It glided several feet above the ground, spinning and curving until it passed between Leo's outstretched hands and was caught in the back of the net. Goal! Lydia shouted. She, Leo, and Doug were playing a game of low-gravity soccer. They'd positioned the goals halfway up the gym's walls and had been flying around kicking the ball all morning. Doug was floating behind Lydia, covered in sweat. He tried to kick off the wall and float in front of her, but she was too fast. The truth was, he didn't mind losing to Lydia. Not because he liked her, but because she wanted everything anyway. Leo wasn't quite as accepting. Red in the face, he grabbed onto the goal's bars and pulled his body into the net until he could glide over to the ball. He put it under his arm and pointed up at the ceiling and gestured flipping a switch. We're not going to turn the gravity back on, Doug told him. It's more fun this way. Lydia floated over to him and held on to the goal. Leo, I can stop doing flying backflip kicks if it's too much for you. She smiled and Leo scowled at her. The scrawny boy flexed his slender arms and pointed back to the door. Fine, go get him, Lydia replied. Good luck getting him away from his fan mail. I'll go talk to him, Doug said. Maybe if I ask him to sign an autograph, he'll agree to play two-on-two -two with us. Ha! Lydia gave Doug a light push, making him glide back. I'll take you guys three-on-one. Oh, please. Doug rolled his eyes and floated back down to the door. He hurried through the train cars until he reached Dallas's room. He found him sitting at a small table, listening to calm music through his headphones and bulging with muscle. His huge body crammed into the seat made him look like a professional wrestler trying to squeeze into a preschool desk. There was a big poster of Dallas smashing fist bots on the far wall. The table lamp was positioned upward to cast a spotlight on it. Doug felt a twinge of jealousy. He'd never admit it, but having a poster of himself mind-building would be super cool. He watched as Dallas punched random objects and then set the smashed items into a messy pile. Blobby was bouncing around the room and trying unsuccessfully to get the giant boy's attention. It looked like he wanted to play. Not now, Blobby, Dallas snapped. Can't you see I'm busy? Oh, look, you're making a mess. Go slime up someone else's wall. Blobby's little jelly body melted into a puddle. Chirping sadly, he slowly slithered out of the room. It looks like you're the one making a mess around here, Doug said, stepping into the room. Huge Dallas jumped and pulled off his headphones. Oh, jeez, bro, scared me. Doug squinted at him. Are you wearing makeup? Dallas glared through way too much eyeshadow. Next question. Doug nodded to the smashed pile of junk. What are you doing? 
just handling my fan mail. Dallas leaned back and folded his buff arms. They can't get enough of the crusher. Instead of asking for signatures or sound snaps, they've started asking me to crush things for them. They just send some random stuff, I smash it, and then send it back to them. Check it out. He held up a crumpled mess of a doll. I smashed this doll real good. And this radio box thing, eh? Totally crushed. Sparks flew everywhere. It was awesome. That picture, that one actually kind of hurt. They could have at least taken the glass out of it. It took all of Doug's willpower not to roll his eyes. Cool. Wanna come play soccer? We need one more to play two on two. No can do, kangaroo. I've got my crushies to attend to. Besides, Lydia will just want to play three on one anyway. Suit yourself. Doug took one last look at the pile of smashed junk and shook his head before turning to leave. Behind him, Dallas put his headphones back on, set a melon attached to a love note in front of him, and smashed it over the table. Crush! <laughs> melon splattered all over him. Oh, seriously? Doug made his way back through the train cars and stopped by the music car to check on Fusick. She was busy practicing her slug pipe, waving the tentacles all over the place and filling the circular room with organ-like music. Doug didn't dare stay too long for fear of being blasted away by pulsar sound blasts. Fusick seemed to prefer it that way. She hadn't mingled much with the other cadets since they'd picked her up. Most of the time, she just went from her room to the cosmic cafe and then to the music car without saying more than a few words. It was kind of cool seeing the music car finally getting some use. Usually it sat empty, full of otherworldly instruments no one on board knew how to play. One of them looked like a drum set made of glowing pin cushions. He continued further down the train until he caught up with Leo and Lydia, who had given up waiting for him and were stepping out of the train rec room car. No luck, huh? Lydia said, wiping sweat from her face. Nope, Doug sighed. He's acting like a movie star. Leo shrugged and then made one hand pass by the other. I hope you're right, Leo, Doug said. If this isn't a phase that's going to blow over, it's going to get really annoying. He has one of the chef bots making him a giant cowboy shirt with sequins and tassels, Lydia added. If he squeezes into that thing, there's no turning back. Leo flexed, pointed to them, and then linked his hands. I know he's our friend, Doug agreed. We're just saying if it keeps getting worse, someone's going to have to talk to him. We can't let it affect our missions. Sounds like a captain-y thing to have to do. Lydia shot him a wink. Dang, she was right, Doug thought. As captain, it probably was his responsibility to call out his friends if they were stepping out of line. The door hissed open behind them, and Goro walked into the hallway. Morning, cadets. How was your game of low-gravity soccer? Have you boys managed to beat Lydia yet? Do you even have to ask? Doug said. Goro's metal mustache turned up as he chuckled. <laughs> Leave it to Lydia to keep everyone on board humble. Not everyone, Lydia corrected. Ah, yes, the crusher. Goro's robot arms folded behind his back. You will need to be patient with Dallas as he figures out how to navigate his newfound fame. 
having experienced a small dose of it myself during my more prominent years as a professor, I can tell you it can be a difficult adjustment. Knowing you are being watched everywhere you go makes one act differently. Stay grounded, be kind, and he will come around. Now, if only I can get Blobby to understand, we will minimize the contention on board considerably. Dallas has been pretty short with him, Doug said. I saw Dallas snap at him and the poor little guy slunk away like a sad puppy. I was just heading back to the caboose to talk with him, Goro said. That seems to be where he's spending most of his time these days. It's a little reminder of his homeworld Gorf, and I believe it is a source of comfort for him. I plan to make a stop by his home planet on our way back to the academy, where we will drop off Fusik. Hopefully that lifts his spirits. There was a beep and a voice spoke through the intercom above them. Goro, said one of the chef bots. Another package has been dropped off by a mail pod. This one is significantly larger than the rest. Shall I bring it on board? Goro rubbed his metal chin and then looked at Doug. I will leave it up to you, Captain. Due to the abnormal size of the package, I believe bringing it on board would be your call to make. Doug felt everyone's eyes on him. His call? After seeing how Dallas had been acting, a part of him wanted to blast the package into space dust. But Goro was right. He needed to be patient and let Dallas figure out how to deal with all this fame stuff. Plus, the last thing Doug needed was to make enemies with Dallas. He tilted his head up at the intercom. Bring it on board, he said, but be sure to do a full lifeform scan first. We don't want to let a giant can of spiders on the train, or worse, a crushy that's mailed themselves. Lydia nodded in agreement, which put Doug at ease. He relied a lot on her reactions to make him feel better about these kinds of decisions. Seconds later, the intercom beeped again. Scan complete, Captain. No life forms detected. Good. Bring it on board. Doug led the others to the exit bay, where a large wooden box was waiting for them. Dallas had been called by the chef bots and came strutting into the room behind them. More fan mail, he said, tossing his hair. He was back to normal size and was wearing his new sequined cowboy shirt with tassels. Sitting atop his head was a new black cowboy hat that was twice the size of his old dusty hat. Doug and Leo had to duck out of its way as he walked up next to them. Dallas looked at everyone. Well, well, what are we waiting for? Let's see what's inside. He nodded to Goro, who used his robot arm to easily pry the box open. As the wood panels fell away, a pearly white sphere was revealed. Dallas walked around the big white ball, looking for some way to open it. But there were no buttons, no levers, nothing just a smooth surface. There was a small note attached near the top. Dallas tore it off and read it aloud. From your biggest fan. <laughs> Dallas humphed. They could have at least included some instructions or something. What am I supposed to do with this thing? He tried giving it a knock. He rubbed it in circles. He gave it side hip bumps and even tried commanding it to open in a sing-song voice. Finally, he resorted to hugging it and shaking it like a madman. Come on, you stupid egg! Open up and show me what you got! 
Leo noticed a small white remote lying on the floor nearby. He picked it up and with a straight face showed Dallas a big red button on it. Dallas hopped off the sphere and rubbed his hands together. Oh, I was just warming it up. Leo pressed the button and the egg split apart with a hiss. Light and fog spilled out. Something shiny was curled up in its center. Little lights blinked down its back. Slowly, a robot unfolded itself from a crouching position and stepped out. Everyone gaped at the sparkling silver robot. It was new. It was shiny. It was vaguely familiar. Doug tilted his head. Is that a cowboy hat? It looks just like Dallas, Lydia said, clearly disturbed. Now that she said it, Doug agreed the robot looked an awful lot like Dallas, with its metal cap of wavy hair, golden cowboy hat, and confident expression. It even stood at the same exact height. The robot suddenly came to life and looked at them, its head swiveling on its broad shoulders. Howdy, dudes. I am your robot android assistant. Whatever righteous tasks you have for me, I will complete. Its backlit eyes gazed upon Dallas. Nice hat, bro. How can I be of service, Crusher? Dallas slowly walked up to the robot and looked upon it as if he were seeing an angel. A robot? For me? Dude! Dude-ski! The robot echoed. Dallas and the robot exchanged excited shouts. Sick! Rad! Bodacious! Wicked hot cool diddly-doo, brah! Dallas shook his head and staggered back, beholding the wonderful piece of machinery. It's beautiful. Lydia scrunched her face at it. I don't like it. Dallas whirled around. What's not to like? It's me, but shinier. He gasped. <gasps> Maybe it's me from the future. Robot, tell me, do I ever get to surf the coast of Australia? I do not know, dude. Robot replied thoughtfully. This is not a future version of yourself, Goro assured Dallas. Why not? You used to be human. Why can't I turn out to be a super sick surfing cowboy robot? Wait, he squinted at Robot. You do surf, don't you? Affirmative, bro. Sick! It is true, Goro said that my living essence was transferred into a conscious crystal and then implanted into this robot body. But even so, my identity was always sure. This bro-bot would have immediately identified itself as Dallas had it been a future version of yourself. Either way, it is an extravagant piece of fan mail. They were not kidding when they called themselves your biggest fan. Goro walked around the robot and examined his build. This is a sophisticated piece of machinery. Can I take him to the surf simulator car? Dallas said, practically bouncing up and down he was so excited. How about we put him in the shooting range car instead? Lydia suggested. Dallas scoffed. 
<gasps> no way! That car's practically a prison cell. Exactly, Lydia muttered under her breath. The onboarding of any new robots must get permission from the captain. Goro turned to face Doug. Captain Colt, do you approve of this artificial intelligence? Again, everyone's eyes were on him. Doug looked between Dallas's pleading eyes and Lydia's head shake. Leo wasn't even paying attention. He was poking at the robot and waiting for it to do something. Doug again thought about what Goro had said. Maybe if he just let this celebrity phase play itself out, Dallas would eventually come to realize how ridiculous this all was. What harm would letting him play with an expensive toy do? Fine with me, he finally said. Yes! Dallas punched the air. You're the best, Captain Crunch. Oh, yeah! Gah! Lydia slumped her shoulders and gazed up at the ceiling. Great! Now we get to listen to two of them! Seeing her disappointment made Doug second-guess his decision, but he had to be careful not to base all of his decisions on whether or not they pleased Lydia. Dallas and his robot were celebrating in the background. Sick! Dude! Radical! Dubular! Lydia wasn't exaggerating. They really were going to have to listen to two Dallases. From that moment on, Dallas and his new robot did everything together. In the beach car, they surfed the wave simulator next to each other, performing tricks and seeing if the other could follow. Then they went to the zoo car, where they hopped into the corral with a longhorn bull and took turns riding it as if they were at a rodeo. At one point, Dallas was bucked off and the robot dove over a zebra to catch him. From there, they watched old western movies in the cinema car and cried together every time their favorite character died, which was every movie. Robot didn't have a crying function, so he just shook his shiny shoulders and made a weird crying noise whenever he saw Dallas get emotional. <laughs> when the credits rolled, they headed to the music car where they sang karaoke country songs. Robot even provided a microphone from his robot arm and turned his torso into a jukebox, equipped with colorful lights and a thumping speaker that handled the twangs of the songs quite nicely. They kept the party going all the way down to the Cosmic Cafe, where Robot made Dallas the perfect burger. Oh, <laughs> Dallas savored his first bite. Dudeski! This is the best burger to ever grace my mouth. If only I had a chocolate malt to wash. Before he could finish, there was a whirring noise and Robot held out a perfect chocolate malt topped with whipped cream. You were saying, dude? Dallas's eyes sparkled. Look, I know it's kind of soon, and I really don't want to scare you off on our first day together, so... Tell me if I'm coming on too strong. He let out a deep breath. I think you're the one. You're my new DFF. DFF? Robot tilted his gleaming head. Dude, friends forever. Bro, you get me. I get you. Why deny the chemistry? Let's embrace it and be best bros. Robot's screened mouth displayed a smile. 
dude friends forever. He held up his big shiny fist and Dallas gave it a pound, which quickly turned into a new secret handshake that they made up on the spot. It included some embarrassing head bobs, a surfing wobble, and something that resembled a game of patty cake. One table over, Blobby sat alone and whimpered over a chocolate bar as he watched his best friend slip away. Leo sat down next to him and gave him a pat on his jelly head. Giving the little creature a sympathetic look, he pointed to Dallas, the robot, then to Blobby and himself, then linked his hands and pointed to a smile. Blobby looked at the curly-haired boy, surprised. He chirped at Dallas and the robot and then jiggled at himself and Leo. Leo nodded and linked his hands together. Blobby's jelly face seemed to stretch up into a smile, and he splattered a hug on Leo's shoulder. Leo gave the creature a friendly thumbs up before wiping off the goo with a napkin. Behind them, chef bots were glaring at Brobot and arguing over who was going to clean up the mess he left in the kitchen. One of them finally got the courage to come over to ask for help. Excuse me, Brobot, but does your programming not include a code sequence for cleanup as well? The chef bot pointed a metal finger back at the messy kitchen. Right on cue, a chef bot slipped on a puddle of melted ice cream. Ah, sorry, dudes, Robot said. I totally would, like totally, but I can't. My battery is running low and I have to recharge. Don't want to fall asleep on that surf wave, am I right? He pointed at Dallas, who laughed and pointed back at him. <laughs> oh, yeah. What type of battery do you carry? The chef bot asked. We have several charging stations in the back that are compatible with lithium infinite batteries grades A, B, C, and... Chef Boy RD? Dallas jumped in. Didn't you hear what my DFF just said? He needs to go back to his charging station, comprende? Si, comprendo completamente, señor. Pero no es normal que... Dallas rolled his eyes. Okay, show off, we get it. You speak Spanish. So can Brobot, can't you, broski? Si. Si. Brobot stood and tipped his metal hat at Dallas and the chefbot. Now, if y'all will excuse me, I have to catch me some shut-eye. The chef-bot glared at him. But you do not have eyes to shut. Can it, chefy? Dallas gave his robot another fist bump. Sweet dreams, dude skillet. Catch ya on the wave, sick dude man bra. With that, robot left the cosmic cafe and his enormous mess behind. Through a dreamy gaze, Dallas watched him go. In the hall, the robot strutted past Lydia. Sup, he said with a wink. Lydia shook her head and glared at the robot. There was something about this robot that seemed strangely familiar, and it wasn't the fact that it looked exactly like Dallas. 
She thought it over as she made her way to the Cosmic Cafe. Leo? She looked across the room at Leo, who was sharing french fries with Blobby. Leo looked up at her. Can I speak with you for a minute? Leo pushed the rest of the fries in front of Blobby and got up from the table. Dallas paid no attention to them from the next table over. He just slurped the last of his chocolate malt and let out a loud, obnoxious belch. <coughs> Lydia led Leo to the space train cockpit and called a secret meeting with Goro, Doug, and Blobby. What's up? Doug said when he walked into the room. Something's off with that robot, Lydia said. I've got a theory, but I want to double check before I make any accusations. Goro's metal eyebrows turned up in surprise. By all means. Lydia turned to Leo. Can you pull up news footage of our fight on Schnausheim? Leo looked confused by the request, but took a seat in front of the control panel and typed in some commands which brought up the footage of their battle. Fast forward this part, Lydia told him. More, more, a little more. Doug watched Leo spin the disc on the panel that controlled the playback of the video. His fingers moved with incredible precision. He needed to stop being impressed every time he watched Leo at work. The kid was a genius. Stop. Leo's fingers immediately came to a stop. Zoom in right there. Leo zoomed in on a flying fist bot. Lydia, what are you trying to say? Doug gave her a questioning look. Just wait. Now pull up surveillance footage of Brobot on this screen over here. Leo did as she said. Now freeze it. There. Leo froze the video. Zoom in right there. As the image zoomed in, there was a gasp. Robot's fists were exactly the same as the Fistbots. Lydia slowly looked back at them. Where is that robot? The space train suddenly jolted. An alarm blared in the cockpit. What was that? Doug shouted. Run a full diagnostic and engine scan, Goro said. Leo's hands blurred over the control panel. The scanner screen flashed red over a diagram of the train rec room car. Interior and exterior surveillance, Doug said, leaning over Leo's shoulder. Leo's fingers typed again in a split-screen view of the inside and outside of the train rec room car pulled up on the display. There was Brobot, bashing his way to the outside of the train. As soon as he was on the roof, the robot started smashing the outside of the train car with his hot, glowing fists. He's trying to break the train, Lydia cried. Everyone to the exit bay, Doug shouted. Goro, the evac belt. Leo, Lydia, and Doug jumped onto a narrow black belt on the floor, and Goro slammed a button on the control panel. The belt slid across the floor, and the cadets laid back as it picked up speed. Doors hissed open as they zoomed across the floor, flying through train car after train car, until 20 cars later, they slowed to a stop in the exit bay. Dallas came rolling across the floor after them. What's going on? He shouted. Did we hit an asteroid? Suit boxes on, Doug ordered. Each cadet grabbed a square box off the shelf and pressed it against their chest. Instantly, a spacesuit popped out and wrapped itself around them until a bubble helmet lowered over their heads and sealed shut. I'll show you what's going on, Lydia said, pulling a blaster off the wall. 
She climbed up the ladder and opened the hatch door in the ceiling. She climbed out onto the roof of the train car and everyone followed after her. That is what's going on! She pointed to the next train car where Brobot was bashing the roof in with his hot fists. Dallas was dumbstruck. Brobot? Brobot! Robot stopped pounding the train and looked up at them. Behind him, a cloudy nebula zoomed by as the train curved through space. The cadets set their boots to suction so they'd hold to the train car roof. When they turned their heel up, it would peel off the surface and allow them to take a step. Sorry, dude, the robot shouted back. It's nothing personal, bro. Just business. Dallas looked at the robot's glowing fists and realized what was happening. Are those... the Rocket Man sent you? Robot chuckled. <laughs> That's right, your biggest fan. This is his way of thanking you for all that you do. His fists glowed red hot and he punched down on the train wreck car hard, smashing a hole in it. Basketballs, soccer balls, and tennis rackets were sucked out of the hole and flew out into space. That's my favorite train car! Doug fired his blaster, but the robot quickly held up his fists and deflected the lasers. Lydia and Leo joined in, firing red and blue laser blasts at the robot. Robot easily deflected the blast with his red-hot fists. He started walking toward them, using one hand to wave away laser blasts while firing his other fists at the cadets. Look out! Lydia tackled Doug before the fist could slam into him. <sighs> Doug stared up at Lydia speechless, his head bubble touching Lydia's. You're welcome! Lydia jumped to her feet and closed her eyes. She concentrated for several seconds before her eyes sprang open. An ice field! Wild-eyed, she looked back down the front of the train. Ice field? Doug jumped up next to her. Squinting out into space, he could see tiny blue specks in the distance. Lydia turned to face him. We don't have much time. One of Leo's blasts caught the robot in the shoulder and it spun through space, but caught hold of the side of the train. Step aside, Dallas said, walking out in front of Leo. His boots hissed and clanked against the train roof. You fake-friended the wrong dude, Brobot. He pressed a button on his suit, and calm classical music played in his head bubble. As it did, Dallas's body swelled and swelled until he dwarfed Leo next to him. He's mine, Dallas said through clenched teeth once he was fully grown. Boots pounding, he ran across the train and jumped. His huge body glided through space as he brought his enormous fist back and brought it down hard just as the robot had climbed back onto the roof. Kerboom! Robot crumpled into the roof and tumbled back two cars. Um, cadets? Came Goro's voice in their headsets. Just wanted to give you a fair warning. We are approaching an ice field. We know, Lydia Doug said. Oh, excellent. Good luck then. I turned the train around, but we are already too close to outrun the giant icebergs hurtling toward us. Doug slowly looked at Lydia. Giant icebergs? Lydia nodded. They're big. The small blue dots up ahead weren't so small anymore. 
They were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Doug looked down at his hand and watched as an icy mist blew by, caking his fingers with a sparkling frost. A shadow darkened the train car around him, and he looked up. A massive floating iceberg groaned as it passed overhead. Everyone ducked. Even with a thick spacesuit, Doug could feel the chill as the massive hunk of ice creaked and crackled overhead. Hold tight, Goro's voice said into their headsets. Fusik, if you can hear this, please strap yourself into the nearest emergency closet. Way ahead of you, came Fusik's voice. Doug's face went pale. All around them, monstrous icebergs were hurtling through space. The enormous white-blue chunks cracked, groaned, and moaned as they passed. Some slammed into each other and sent smaller chunks of ice whizzing by the cadets and spraying them with a wave of frost. Goro steered the space train around them, curving the long metal machine up and over the flying mountains of ice. Doug ducked as the train spun right through a frozen donut hole of iceberg. Lydia and Leo had now turned their blasters to the huge chunks of ice flying towards them. Boom, boom, bish! Their lasers shattered ice in every direction. Behind them, Dallas and the robot fought atop the cinema car. We even came up with a handshake! Dallas roared, throwing another punch. Robot took it to the gut and flew back, tumbling along the roof until he could catch himself with his hot fists. Getting to his feet, he pressed a button on his arm. Why don't you pick on someone your own size, dude? Huge Dallas stepped back as Brobot grew into huge Brobot. Dallas groaned. Well, I guess I should have seen that coming. Boom! Brobot punched him with his now enormous fists, and Dallas rolled across the train. Immediately, the robot turned and climbed down between two of the train cars. With one ferocious yank, the link holding the two train cars together broke apart. Half the train slowly glided away. He broke the train, Lydia yelled. Doug's body seized up when he saw the train split in two. Think, Doug, think! He stared at the shattering chunks of ice all around him, many of them flashing blue and red from all the passing laser bolts. He held up his hands and imagined the ice coming together. His hands trembled, sweat beaded his forehead. Chunks of ice swirled together and then arched down onto the separated links of the train cars. Hot lasers were pulled away and held close to the ice to fuse it together before being let go and zipping off into space. Everyone watched in amazement as block after block of ice pieced together until a long icy pole connected the two halves of the train. Two giant icebergs crashed into each other behind Doug. He brought his hands closer together, taking their frozen debris and adding it to the ice pole until it was thick and strong, strong enough to hold despite smaller debris crashing into it. Doug lowered his hands and collapsed. Before he could fall off the train, Leo reached out and caught him. No! The robot yelled. He turned on Dallas and charged. Clonks, clonks, clonks. His big robot feet thundered across the train. Dallas stumbled to his feet, still dizzy from the last blow. He looked up just in time to see the robot leap into the air and pull back its 
glowing hot fist. Just as the robot was about to land the punch, something orange shot into its ear. It bounced around inside the robot's head, making sparks fly out its mouth and ears. Pop, pop, Another smoky burst and the metal hat blew off its head. Robot crumpled like a lifeless puppet in front of Dallas. Shocked and confused, Dallas looked down at the sparking mess. There was an orange splatter mark on the insides of the robot's eyes. Slowly, something orange oozed out of the ears and pooled on the train car roof. Blobby! Dallas reached down and scooped up his jelly friend. Blobby chirped happily and gave Dallas a wet, jiggling hug. You saved me, Blobbert! Oh, that was the sickest move I've ever seen! Blobby jiggled bashfully and then blew a raspberry back at the defeated robot. I don't want to see him either. Dallas kicked the robot off the train and it floated up into a passing iceberg. Boom! With its energy shield down, robot exploded into a blast of fire and ice. The last of the icebergs passed overhead and gradually became blue specks in the distance. I'm so sorry, Blobby, Dallas said, shrinking back down to normal size. I've been such an idiot. Blobby chirped in agreement. Forgive me. Blobby nodded his jelly head and splattered a hug onto Dallas's shoulder. Goro, Lydia said into her headset, we need a medbot in the exit bay. Right away, Goro replied. Lydia and Leo dragged Doug back to the hatch door. A few train cars over, Dallas looked out at the icy bridge that linked the two sections of train. Dude, he muttered, shaking his head. Blobby started bouncing up and down next to him. What is it? Dallas glanced back over the front of the train. A swirling orange planet was coming into view. Dallas looked between the planet and Blobby. Is that it? Is that your home? Blobby's jelly head jiggled an excited nod. Dallas looked at the orange planet and smiled. Well, I'll be, little dude. You're finally home. Goro's voice sounded in his headset. If you can hear me, Blobby, we have finally made it. Welcome to Gorf. It's time to be the
right, Rocketeers. Hope you enjoyed that episode of Space Train. I had way too much fun writing that episode. I I don't know why. When I kind of wrote down some ideas for the season two of Space Train, I had one of the top ideas. I was like, I got to do like a robot where Dallas is this robot. So anyway, uh, I had a ton of fun with that episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, uh, One quick thing I wanted to point out. And I think this isn't frankly done in enough stories today, but there's that scene towards the end that I wanted to highlight, and it's where Dallas and Blobby have their little moment on top of the train where Dallas says sorry, and what does Blobby do? He forgives him right away. Um, I wanted to put this in here because I want to remind Rocketeers that Rocketeers are first and foremost quick to say sorry, and we say sorry with sincerity, right? Rocketeers, we make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We all do dumb things sometimes, but we're quick to say sorry. We're quick to recognize that we made a mistake, and we say sorry, we mean it, and when other people maybe make a mistake and hurt us in some way, we are quick to forgive, That is not always easy to do. But Rocketeers, we need to work towards that. We need to try to make sure we're quick to forgive. Because all too often, both kids and adults, we hold on to grudges. That means we stay offended at people when they hurt our feelings or something. And really, we need to let go and forgive them. And that's not always easy, like I said, to do. That's, that can be really hard. Uh, I speak from from experience. But I, I like that scene Because when you think about what happened, Blobby had every right to be offended. Dallas was mean, kind of mean to him and brushed him off. And, you know, I could have made it so that for multiple episodes, Blobby kind of held this grudge against him where he just was mm, hating Dallas for not giving him enough attention. But instead, I wanted to have a moment where Blobby was quick to forgive. And, and Dallas did recognize he'd, he'd made a mistake with his, his jelly friend, his, his best buddy. So keep that in mind, Rocketeers. Rocketeers, again, are quick to say sorry and quick to forgive, okay? Well, I want to give some shout-outs to some patrons. Sam from Weymouth. I know Sam loves Doug from Space Train and loves to build Legos while he's listening to the podcast. So, Sam, thank you so much for listening, buddy. Thanks for your support. I also want to shout out Nina and Nova from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and their mom, Barbara. Thank you so, so much, Nina, Nova, and Barbara. These are cool names. I know I always say that, but I love hearing the names of these ro- of our Rocketeers because there there's so many cool names. Nina, Nova, Barbara. Love it. From Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thank you so much for your support. And lastly, Ivan, Betty, and Clifford. Thank you so much, you guys, for supporting the show, for listening. I know, Ivan, you've been enjoying Camp Dino, and you're listening almost daily, and you are enjoying Space Train, too. I hope you like it almost as much. Camp Dino is one of my personal favorites. Don't blame me. I'd be listening to it a lot, too. And Betty, I know you're listening to Grandpa's Globe and Winglings. And Clifford is all about the Knights of Spatula. I, Rocketeers, I need to get back to Knights of Spatula. I stopped before I finished it. It's the only season I did that for. I can get into an explanation later, but I, I want to come back to it eventually. But Knights of Spatula, Clifford, glad you're enjoying it. I want to share an Apple review. This one is titled Greatest Podcast Ever from Tallulah. I love this podcast so much. I love the sound designs and the accents you use. It's so good that you could even make a book out of each season, like a chapter book, and you can make DVDs out of each season too. Great job. 
Tallulah, you're awesome. Thank you so much for that review, for your feedback. So I do have chapter book versions of a few of the seasons on Amazon. Let's see. They got the first season of Space Train, Grandpa's Globe, Winglings, and um, Winnie and the Pixie Knot. So there is a chapter book version because I actually write all these stories, Rocketeers, in chapter book form. So if you were to become a patron, if you go to patreon.com, you get all the direct download MP3s. If you like to download stuff onto your device uh, to you know listen when you are on a road trip and you don't have an internet connection, I know there are patrons that do that. Um, and you not only get the ad-free MP3 downloads, you can listen to it on Patreon or download to your device, but you also get these PDF read-alongs which with each episode and because every episode is written and formatted like a chapter book so it's all punctuated and it's it's good to read along while you're listening it's really good for improving your ability to read and to recognize you know what sounds and pauses um you know what they sound like when, when you have the different punctuation and stuff so I need to probably do some chapter book versions of the other seasons. I just have not gotten around to it. But that's great feedback. And a DVD someday? I don't know. Like Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, wouldn't count on it. Uh, but Rocketeers, thank you so much. Thank you to my mom, Roxanne Webb, for looking over the story and cleaning it up. She always helps me so much. She's the best. Love you, mom. Rocketeers, you're amazing. If you want to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash purplerocketpodcast. Like I said, you can get ad-free episodes, read-along PDFs. You get you can get a shout-out. You can get a special message in the voice of your favorite character, um, discount on merchandise, some, some bonus stories in there. So I think there's some cool stuff, but it's a great – at the end of the day, it's really just a great way to support the show, and I appreciate it. All those patrons out there, you're amazing. Thank you so much for your help. And Rocketeers, please tell your friends and family about the podcast. That's the biggest compliment you can give. You can leave a review on Apple Reviews. That's great. But honestly, the biggest compliment is to, to share the podcast with others. So thank you so much for doing that. Some of you would have reached out and emailed me, told me that that's what you've done, and I love it. That's the biggest compliment you can give, so I appreciate it. I hope you all had an amazing holiday break. Hopefully you guys got some time off and spent some time together, maybe serve some people around you, spread some love to some neighbors. That's what Rocketeers do. You got to be kind to everybody. Love it. Take, take, uh, take advantage of this season, this time of year when you have time off. And get out there and do it. Thank you so much, Rocketeers. Don't forget to tune in next time. This is your host, Greg Webb.